Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hey Donovan, I recently found out a shocking secret about our government, and I've been wrestling what to do with that information. At first, I decided to keep quiet because I don't want to be on the radar, but it's been weighing on my conscience. I think everyone needs to hear this. My father was career military, and he was hardly ever home when I was growing up. As a result of this, I never really felt close to him. When he was home, he always had this stern look about him, and he would shut himself away in his study most of the day. Mom always told me not to bother him. He was trying to rest. So I grew up with my dad remaining kind of a mystery to me. I'm in my 50s now, and my mom's been gone for five years. Cancer. Since dad was all I had left, I tried to find some common ground in recent years. But things were always awkward between us. He didn't rebuff me. He was so quiet when I came over to visit. I would always wind up leaving sooner than I'd planned, feeling like I was crowding him. Things went downhill with his health eight and a half months ago. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he didn't have much time left. I made more of an effort to be there, and he even opened up a little, telling me some stuff about his childhood that I never knew. Nothing important, but it was nice to have him talk to me like a normal dad, reminiscing about the past. I'm thankful we finally bonded a little before he passed 42 days ago. My dad made the decision to spend his final days at home. I took a leave of absence from work so I could be there with him at the end. He was on morphine and in and out of consciousness for three days. When he was lucid, he seemed really sharp. His eyes focused and his words seemed to be chosen carefully. What I mean to say is, the things he decided to tell me during this period were not ramblings of a man on drugs. He told me there were things he had done in his life that he needed to get off his chest. Things he wanted me to know about before it was too late. My dad told me he had been part of a secret government branch, known as the 4E. The mission of this branch was to evaluate threats to U.S. citizens from unknown entities, eradicate those threats, and employ any means necessary to erase the incidents. So 4E for Entity, Evaluate, Eradicate, and Erase. He said if citizens of this country knew what was living here among us, there would be mass anarchy, rebellion against the government chaos. Stock markets would crash. Crime would surge. People's faith in God would take a toll. I disagree, by the way. But my dad said during his whole lifetime, he stood by that philosophy, doing things to protect our country and our way of life. Here are some of the things that he said have happened. There's an underground base in Colorado that has several alien beings who were taken alive from a UFO crash site in 1986. The government is trying to find a way to communicate with them. They are also testing their resistance to diseases that are global concerns. Dad said that he had seen one of the aliens himself, which was kept drugged and locked in a lab. He described it as looking just like all those pictures you see. Grayish and short, skinny arms and legs, oval head and big eyes. He told me they had to keep creatures dosed up with something because they have mental abilities to manipulate solid structure but he didn't elaborate on that. Dad also said the government is aware of creatures that are hiding in the national forests. He told me it's assumed that they have been there since the beginning of time, 
and although over 6,000 have been eradicated between 1948 and 1995, the population is still thought to be pretty high. Upwards of 10,000. Okay, that to me was just staggering. He said he had been called in several times to strong-arm park rangers, who indicated they wanted to make the public aware of these creatures. He personally had to threaten several park officials with losing their jobs, and also had to imply that they would be prosecuted for treason if they went ahead and told. I think Dad felt bad about that part, because he went on about it a bit, threatening the rangers, I mean. The last thing he told me was, there was a creature that had escaped from a government lab in the 60s, and adapted to life in the swamps and the sewers. He described it to me. It sounded like one of those rake things people talk about. Humanoid, very pale, skittering around on all fours, big head, black eyes, and no nose. It moves very fast. He said one of the main concerns of 4E was that it preyed on human flesh. Apparently one had killed and partially eaten one of the doctors studying it when it escaped. So the population breeding in the wild was thought to be a real threat to mankind. I was totally shocked to hear all this stuff. But I tell you, looking straight into his eyes, I know he was relaying the truth. He was totally lucid. Dad was afraid to say anything until he was on his deathbed. But he was so worried about all these creatures as threats to human life. He didn't want me anywhere near the wilderness areas of the country, telling me it was unsafe. He said that there are thousands of disappearances in the national parks that are hushed up when the 4E comes in and deems one of these creatures responsible. If a body is found, the story leaks before they can cover it up. They say it was a bear or mountain lion. But if it's just a disappearance and they think it was one of these creatures, they cover it up. The story never gets publicized. So I hope I'm doing the right thing. I know my dad wrestled with the right and wrong of telling. But lately, all I can think is, the truth is always the right way to go. May he rest in peace. I live in a very suburban neighborhood in northern Michigan. It's just like any other neighborhood, really. We had just chosen the house because it's on a cul-de-sac, and it was safe for the kids to play outside. The rear of the house backs up to a natural open space area, which was another plus for us, so we could take the kids out on nature walks. What we didn't know when we moved in was that our neighbor to the west of us seemed a little deranged. He was very paranoid all of the time. He had an abnormal number of motion sensor lights on his house, and his window blinds always seemed to be closed. He even had his strand of barbed wire along the top of his backyard fence. The first time I met him, he was outside putting salt around his house. He was lugging around a 10-pound bag of coarse salt. We had barely introduced ourselves, and he was trying to give me some salt too. He said you never knew when the horned beast would come back. I thought then that maybe he was some kind of religious fanatic and was talking about the devil. But he said that he had noticed its footprints in his backyard last time it snowed, and that was when he had put up the barbed wire. So it sounded like he was talking about a physical beast. I tried to ask him some questions, but he said it wasn't good to talk about it too much. I don't like to judge, but I figured he had lost a few marbles. I know that some of my own relatives have gotten a little weird when they got cooped up alone for too long. One evening, I was in the kitchen, cooking and doing dishes, when I heard a low rumbling sound. I turned around and saw my 60-pound bull terrier facing the door to the backyard. 
growling like I never seen him do. His hackles were fully raised and his body was rigid and shaking. His lips were curled and he was baring all of his teeth. He was taking in these big breaths and snarling. I had never seen him like that before. I had seen him bark and growl to neighborhood cats, but nothing like this. He's mostly muscle, and he looked really intimidating. I was thinking, what in the hell is out there? I was home alone, so there shouldn't have been anybody out there. I grabbed a big kitchen knife, and I opened the door a bit. When the door was open about halfway, I was hit with this horrible rotting meat smell. My mind was scrambling for a reason. I started thinking, did the lids get blown off the garbage cans? But no way would the garbage cans ever smell that bad. And I hadn't put anything in them like that. It was truly a putrid smell. I figured I'd better go out there and check it out. If some animal had gotten stuck in my yard, I didn't want it tearing anything up. My poor dog needed to calm down. It was around dusk, so I could still see out there a little but it was verging on dark. I poked my head out the door and I heard a rustling sound and the sound of branches breaking. I looked towards the back fence and I thought I saw antlers. We had a lot of deer in the area and they would often be out at dusk, so I didn't think anything was unusual. The rustling noise kept going, so I was wondering if maybe it had gotten its antlers stuck in the fence. I didn't feel capable of releasing a trapped deer, but I couldn't just ignore it especially with my dog going nuts, which was weird because he was used to seeing deer all the time. I wanted to get a closer look before I called Animal Rescue in case I was wrong. I managed to squeeze out the door without letting the dog out. But when I got out there, the dog went even more ballistic. He was actually jumping up and clawing at the door like he was trying to tear it down. That should have clued me in because my dog does not act like that. He's a big lovable goof. My backyard slopes up to the back fence, which is about 60 feet from the back door. So I started walking up there, and when I got within 20 feet, I just stopped dead in my tracks. There were definitely antlers, but it was not a deer. This antler head turned towards me and looked at me with these horrible yellow eyes. The eyes were like glowing out of these hollow sockets, and the head looked like some kind of skull. It looked like it had the legs of a deer, but it was standing upright, and it was at least seven or eight feet tall. It was so skinny and looked so unreal, but I'm telling you, it was real. Looking at it, I felt icy cold, even though it wasn't that cold outside. While it was looking at me, I just felt hollowed out somehow, hopeless. I managed to turn around and run back to the house. I got in the door, and I had to use all my strength to hold my dog back and slam the door and lock it. I just fell to the ground and held on to my dog. He was still lunging and barking his head off, but I just held on to him really tight. After about five minutes, he finally calmed down. I turned on the backyard floodlights and looked out there through my window. It seemed to be gone. I couldn't even think. There was no reference in my brain for such a thing. Do you have any idea what this is? Hey there, Donovan. I know your inbox must be flooded with stories, but this one might just be a bit different than the rest. That's because I've been tracking these ships now for some time, and I'm positive that I've been studying an alien species. This may sound insane, and my family definitely thinks so, but I have a great deal of evidence compiled that could sway even the most ardent non-believer. I'm based in New Mexico, near the border to Mexico. 
I will not share exact details, but can describe the general location. It's not a highly populated area, and there's not much out there except for the highway and a few rest stops. I have a day job which I will not reveal, but, but I do my main investigations at night. You see, the weather here is hot and dry, so it's a lot easier to canvas the area when the sun's not out. Otherwise, you end up with a mean sunburn and possible dehydration. I've been plotting the flight patterns of two spacecrafts. The first is a square-shaped hovered craft that flies pretty close to the ground. It ducks in and out and can do flips and turns. You may have thought at first that it was a drone, but there are no governmental nor recreation drones that have the capability to vanish into thin air. That's just what it does. It will fly around the desert and near my home base and eventually pick up speed. It'll flash a bright neon blue light and then disappear. It always starts off in the same area, and I've followed it for up to a mile. At 3 a.m., it always vanishes, although sometimes it will blink away earlier than that. If I'm not able to keep up on my car or on foot, I can sometimes lose it, but usually it moves at quite a slow pace. This second spacecraft is much larger and more difficult to consistently track. It's more of a traditional UFO. I try not to use that phrase as it's been so misconstrued by the media and the government, but it looks more like the general public's idea of an alien ship. And you know what? There's clearly a reason so many people have seen these ships out here in New Mexico, Texas, and Nevada. It's because this flight path is strategically placed to connect to the gravitational pull with the equator. I can get into this theory more in private. The ship travels from the east to the west, and I've calculated it to be moving at around 15 miles per hour. Sometimes it will pause for a moment as a car passes by, or an animal walks through the area, but it typically continues at a steady pace. The ship flies at an altitude far lower than a plane, and creates this ripple effect behind it. There's no chemtrail or anything like that. There's only a ripple of heat or gravitational disturbance that follows in its wake. The first time I spotted it, I happened to be outside letting my pup use the facilities around 2 a.m. I looked overhead and I saw it. There is this ring of LED light illuminating the edges of this circular craft, but it is otherwise invisible. For the next few weeks, I would set my alarm clock to go off at 1.50 a.m. and then head outside. I can only speculate on whether these ships are friends or foes, but they are certainly interesting to study. The government bases nearby would surely be able to notice these ships on their radar, so I am unsure why there have been no stories yet released about their presence. The first time I spotted the first ship, I created a post on Twitter and on Reddit. In less than a day, however, my accounts were banned. I will not be sharing any photos publicly. However, I do have a few photos that I could share with you. Everyone in Jersey's heard of the Jersey Devil. Well, I don't know about the young people. These days, they don't seem to pay attention to anything unless it's online. Not me. I grew up in Hamilton, New Jersey, in the Pine Barrens. So I heard all about it when I was a kid. Hamilton is the blueberry capital of the world because there's lots of blueberries grown around it. When I was a kid, it was a pretty small town. My parents owned a diner that specialized in blueberry pancakes. Big surprise. They ran it together, like a true mom-and-pop joint. As soon as I was big enough to stand on a stool to wash dishes, they put me to work. Later, I'd flip pancakes or wait tables. 
the old-timers that hung around drinking coffee would sometimes talk about the Jersey Devil. They claimed that they heard it at night or seen it flying through the sky. Kids were always warned not to go in the forest because it might get them. Of course, we didn't listen. I had spent a good bit of time riding bikes on the dirt out there with other like-minded youngsters. We stayed out until dusk sometimes, but never saw any evidence of that thing. Once, an old man came into the diner with a grainy black and white photo. Everyone passed it around and took a look. But really, it just looked like a bird in the night sky. There was a moon, but not enough to light it up much. I didn't hear anything about the Jersey Devil for a long time after that. I kept working at the diner until I went into the army for a couple of years. I came back and mom and dad decided to retire. They took off for Florida and left me with the diner. I got married and my wife and I ran it together. My wife doesn't like to stay up late, so I usually close by myself. We don't get a lot of business at that time, so a lot of nights it's just me. There are a few regulars who come in at night. Folks who work the late shift or just restless types. Then there's tourists or truckers on their way through town. I started to hear about sightings. Most people just heard a weird screeching, loud, late at night. A few saw something too, flying in the sky mostly. I didn't take it too seriously, but I thought it was interesting since I hadn't heard about it for such a long time. Maybe I thought it had been around when those old timers saw it, and it left for somewhere and then came back again. Maybe it went on to the other side of the Pine Barrens. This went on for maybe about a year, where every month or so, someone would come in with a story. One day, I closed the diner as usual. I went outside, and I heard a screech. It was so loud. It sounded like an airplane, if an airplane was a hawk or some kind of angry bird. I looked around, but I didn't see anything except the quiet, empty street. Things pretty much shut down in Hamilton by 8 o'clock. We stay open till 11, but not much else does except for the bar down the street. I thought about asking the bartender if he heard anything. Jack, who's usually the only one there at night, is pretty hard of hearing. I thought it was worth a try, though, or maybe I just wanted a drink. So I walked over and ordered one. Since it was a Tuesday night, no one was there except for a couple swaying together on the small dance floor near the jukebox. I doubted they heard anything over the crooning of Frank Sinatra. I asked Jack if he heard a screech. A what, he says. So I asked him if he's heard anything about the Jersey Devil lately. A few stories, he says. Don't put no stock in them. I asked him for an example. He says, you know, people see stuff in the sky. Weird screaming noises. Going back to my car, I wasn't sure what to think. On one hand, Jack didn't believe there was anything to worry about. But on the other, he was hearing the same stories as me. So that wasn't good. Two nights later, I was inside the diner mopping when I heard it. This time, I went out to the back door. It sounded like a screaming freight train barreling down the street. I can't believe that other people didn't hear that thing. Maybe they explained it away somehow. Maybe they thought it was a train. I don't know. But I looked up into the sky, and I saw something that looked like a flying dragon from a movie. Its wingspan was bigger than any bird or hawk that I'd ever seen. The sound started up again and I thought I should go back inside, but I wanted to see what would happen. It headed towards the woods and finally swooped down out of sight behind some of those tall pines. I heard it one final time, and then I did go back inside. The next day, I asked a few people if they heard it, including my wife. They all looked kind of nervous. I think they knew what it was, 
but nobody wanted to admit it. I heard it a few more times since then, and I tried to get a picture, but I haven't been able to yet. Hey there, Donovan. I've been a big fan of your channel for a while now, and I've always been curious about creatures that are hiding in this world. I have my suspicions of this very large dog creature here in Somerset, Maine, but it wasn't until recently that I actually saw it. I live out on a farm on a few acres of land, and my only neighbors are to the northeast about a mile down the road. It's pretty desolate out here, and there's not much to do except for hike, hunt, and fish. On this particular day, I decided to go fishing out at the riverbank. I was only out there for like an hour, when all of a sudden I heard this howling. Now, coyotes usually howl out here, but they have more of a high-pitched sound than whatever this thing was. The howl was low and guttural, and carried for like a full minute. Now, I'm sure I was the only one who heard it, because I was really out in the middle of nowhere. It sounded pretty close. I figured it was better for me to be on the move than to come face to face with it. So I started to pack up my equipment and be on my way back to the house. As I was walking, I kept hearing it, and it was getting really loud now. I thought to myself that maybe it was a loose dog and followed me to get some food. But even the largest of dogs don't howl like that. There's just no way. I started picking up the pace, and when I got into the house, I slammed the door behind me. My walls are pretty thin. But I didn't really hear any more howling after that, so I figured I'd just clean my fish and start on dinner. I was laughing to myself and frying some oil as the sun started to set. I had my meal and then I sat down with my book and my lazy boy. I was starting to doze off when I suddenly hear a growling sound from outside. I put my book down and looked over at the window. The lights were on the porch so I could see, clear as day this beast staring back at me through the screen door from the steps. The only thing between me and this creature was a thin sheet of mesh. As I left the door open to allow a breeze to come in, I was terrified and tried to stay as still as possible. At this point, it was on all fours, and it looked just like a massive wolf. I could see its dark gray black hair standing up in these spiky tufts on its back, and its head was dipped low. I shifted my way to my seat and the thing started to stand up. The porch has only two steps and it crept up them. It moved itself on the two legs. The thing had to be over eight feet tall. And its head was a huge mass of fur with this long snout. My eyes were glued on its row of huge teeth. And I held my breath as it continued to move closer and closer. It looked into both of my two porch windows. First the left and then the right before centering itself back at the front door. It just sat there like a Doberman waiting for supper, and it sniffed a deep breath right at the mesh door. As it pulled its nose away, a drop of drool was left on the wire. I couldn't believe my eyes. If it wanted to, it certainly could have scratched and broken right through the door. Even if the door was closed, those powerful claws could have certainly done damage on the wood frame. I just sat there, though. Damn, I do think I was lucky because who knows what would have happened if I tried to run or fight it. I think my freeze instinct certainly kicked in, and I just waited it out. Eventually, a white-tailed deer started across the lawn. I could see about 20 feet away, and I definitely spotted it before the wolf thing. But as it walked by, the wolf lifted its head and snout into the air, and took a whiff of the air. In an instant, it raised up onto its hind legs and jumped into the air. 
I heard a squeal from the deer and the sound of gnashing and gnawing. I quickly grabbed the poker from the fireplace and armed myself. When I looked back outside, however, the creature and the deer were gone, leaving just a puddle of blood on the lawn. I definitely couldn't sleep that night, and for the next few days, I stayed over at my brother's house. I'm really terrified to go back to my farm. That thing is definitely out there, and I worry that next time, I won't be so lucky. I certainly would have ended up like that doe. I hope I never see that thing again, but if I ever go missing, I just want the world to know that it was this wolf creature out here. Hey Donovan, I wasn't always a believer in the paranormal, but my family and I unknowingly moved into a haunted house. The experiences I had there changed my perspective forever. It is easy to say there is no such thing as ghosts, because it's nearly impossible to prove that they are. But once you experience it directly, there's no denying it. Not only did I feel the presence of a ghost, but I also feel threatened and violated by it. I always thought people were making up stories when they talked about their experiences. But now, I'm passionate about the paranormal. There's no way I could tell you everything that happened in that house. But there are a couple of things that I feel compelled to share with you, and maybe your audience as well. Spirits are not to be antagonized and messed with. We need to treat them with respect. We need to learn how to live amongst them instead of denying their existence. When we first moved into this house, we all thought it was perfect. It was big enough so every child could have their own room. The kitchen was enormous, and the views were spectacular. It was right by the harbor, and you could see hundreds of boats of all types traveling through. There were beautiful ocean views as far as you could see. And I'll never forget the smell of seawater you got when you cracked the window open. It seemed too good to be true at first. My room was massive, and it had the most intricate carvings in the wood all around the room. The first week we stayed there, we didn't have beds or anything, but I didn't care. I was just so happy to finally have my own room. Slowly but surely, we started moving furniture, and it started to feel like our home. Some of my fondest memories are from the first month we lived in that amazing house. One night, my brother and I were playing, and we knocked over an old mirror off the wall, and it shattered all over the floor. My mom scolded us and made us go to our rooms for the rest of the night. I could hear my brother running up and down the hallway, and I just knew my mom was going to freak out at both of us, and I was going to get in trouble for his behavior. I timed him so his footsteps were right outside my door, and I swung it open to smack him. I looked out into the hallway, and there wasn't anybody there. Convinced that my brother must have run into his room, I ran to his door and swung it open. I found him fast asleep, snoring in bed. Then I heard the footsteps again, and when I looked, there was nobody. I remember my hair stood on end, and it freaked me out. I went to bed and tried to just forget about it. That night, I woke up to this dark figure leaning over me. I tried to scream, but I couldn't make a sound. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move, and felt hands on my chest holding me down. I tried as hard as possible to make a sound, but I could only shake the bed. Finally, I was released and I screamed for my parents. They ran in to check on me and told me I was having a bad dream. I told them it wasn't a dream and this dark figure was forcing me to stay on the bed. They told me there was no such thing as ghosts or spirits. They assured me it was just a bad dream and encouraged me to go back to sleep. I stayed awake the whole night staring at the foot of the bed. 
Shortly after that, I heard my mom and dad fighting over who was leaving the tub running. They both claimed not to use the tub and to only use the shower. This became a common argument, and soon, every child in the family was getting blamed for leaving the tub running. My dad got so mad one night that he shut the water to the tub off. A couple minutes afterwards, all of us were in the bathroom arguing about who the guilty one was, when the faucet turned on completely by itself. We were all terrified. My mom asked, who's there? The sink faucet was immediately turned on, and the lights in the bathroom were turned off. We all screamed and ran out of there. A little after that, it was my birthday. We were celebrating with cake. My mom told me to make a wish and then blow out all the candles. I made a wish and took a deep breath. And before I could blow them out, all the candles on the cake went out. And these old candles on the mantelpiece immediately lit up. We all just sat there scared looking at the candles for a while. Then my dad threw the candles away and we ate the cake. And we tried to pretend nothing happened. One night I woke up to my dad screaming. We all ran into the room and dad was shaking. We asked him what was wrong. And he wouldn't tell any of us for a while. Finally, he said that he went into the bathroom and the apparition of a woman was in the bathtub, seductively calling to him. I told him that I thought there was no such thing as ghosts. My dad said, we're leaving this place immediately, and we did. Later, we looked up the house and it turned out that a man who lived there previously killed his seven-month pregnant wife by drowning her in the bathtub and then shot himself in the head. It made the local papers. We were all shocked. Pictures would fall off the wall and cabinets and would be left open almost daily. Doors would open and close on their own, and you could hear footsteps, voices, and music throughout the house at different times of the day. One day, I'd like to compile a list of all my family's experiences there, as well as the experiences of other people who lived there. It was crazy, and being in that place would turn anyone into a believer. I work at the Taco Bell on West Country Road in Merrill, Wisconsin. And just like they say, we're open late. So I'm like low guy on the totem pole there. And I always get stuck closing up with this guy who's lazy as all get out. But you know, I gotta keep this job. So whatever. If he doesn't do it, I gotta do it. And I'm not gonna complain to my manager and be known as a rat. No one likes a rat. I really wanted to get home that night. Cause some days I've just had it, you know. And here it is after 3 in the morning and I'm still mopping up the floor while the other guy keeps going into the bathroom to avoid doing any work. So I grab the trash and haul it outside, even though I've done everything on my list. I got out to the dumpster, which is kind of in a shed with three sides, and I come around the corner and I see this thing scoot back behind the dumpster. I thought it might be a homeless guy or something, because it's so late, so I just yelled, hey. By the way, I ain't got no problem with anyone living in the street, but he needed to get out of there. Nobody answers me, so I stop because I've got to unlock the padlock, and I can't see who's back there. For all I know, it's someone who's going to mug me. I didn't know what to do, so I just yelled, I'm calling the cops. And then I hear a growl, really loud and mean sounding, and I'm like, what? Because I thought I saw a person walk behind there. But maybe I was wrong, because now it sounds like a big dog, that low growl that they have. So I did something kind of stupid then. I just picked up a rock and threw it at the dumpster, thinking the noise on the metal would scare it off. 
But instead, this thing rushes straight out at me, and sweet Jesus, I've never seen nothing like that before. It was on two legs like a man, and bigger than me, but it looked like a dog's head on it, with a muzzle and everything. And I could see teeth because it was snarling. I just dropped the bag of trash and ran for the door, because my mind couldn't understand what that thing was. But I still knew it was going to eat me. I got to the door and that loser Stan had locked the frickin' lock because you know that's the policy here after hours. You lock it even if you're going out for just a minute. So I got the key in my hand but I'm shaking so bad I can't get it in the lock and I can't see Stan anywhere. I looked over my shoulder and thank God that thing must have gone after the trash bag instead because it's not behind me. I managed to get the key in the lock and got inside and locked it. I'm breathing so hard I thought I'd had a heart attack. I told Stan there was this weird creature like a werewolf out there, and he laughed at me. Of course. I guess I would have laughed if he told me that, but I can tell you right now, this thing was real. It was covered in dog fur or wolf fur, and it had a big head like a dog and stand-up ears. It didn't get a good look at its paws, but its eyes were yellow and it had these big teeth. It was definitely walking on two legs because it came at me that way. I don't know about a tail. We left like 15 minutes later, but I wasn't parked near the dumpster, so I just hurried over to my car and got in and locked the doors. I cruised by on the road to the other side where you can see the dumpster, but the thing was gone, or hiding behind it, maybe. I even told my manager about it, because I don't want to work the closing shift anymore, and he thought I was making this up. So the only thing that I can think to do is maybe go over there some night when I'm not working and sit in my car facing that dumpster with my camera ready. I figured I need a picture for anyone to take me serious. And who knows, I might even be able to sell a picture like that to a magazine or something. So stay tuned, because you'll be the first to know, Donovan, when I get a picture of that thing. Thanks for all your help getting these stories out there, man. I think you're a real stand-up guy. Hello Donovan, I know you tell a lot of crazy paranormal stories on your channel, so I figured I would send this for you to read, so I can get some sort of idea what is going on with this dude named Larry. I worked at a coffee shop for a while, and it was a pretty chill job. You got to meet all kinds of people, and most of them were excited to get their coffee. It was a 9 to 5 type of job, and I had all sorts of jobs with crazy hours, so the normalcy was refreshing. Every single day for the past year, our first customer was this man named Larry. He was always in a rush and always got black coffee. Occasionally, I could get some pleasantries out of him, but most of the time, he just stared bloody daggers at me until I got him his coffee. It got to the point where we would open about five minutes early and have his coffee ready for him, so we could just hand it through the window. He would often grab the coffee, pay, and leave without saying a word. He was a very strange individual, but he always made me laugh. He wasn't the biggest fan of human interaction, but he sure did love his coffee. He always had a very serious and wide-eyed expression on his face, and I never saw him smile. Then one day, he just stopped showing up. I would still open the shop about five minutes early out of habit, but he stopped coming altogether. I began wondering what happened to him. Did he move? Did he start getting his coffee from somewhere else? Did I somehow offend him? After about a week, I started looking into it a little bit. All I knew was his first name, Larry. But I was determined to figure out what happened. 
He wasn't the biggest talker, but I knew if I could just talk to him, he would let me know why he stopped coming. I searched Larry and filtered for our city on Google, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I couldn't find anything at all. I eventually just figured he had moved and tried not to think about it. About a month went by and I saw Larry's black car coming through the drive-thru again. It was much later in the day than I usually saw him, and he had this smile on his face, something I never thought I'd see. I was excited to see him even though we'd barely spoken before. I asked him if he wanted his usual, and he asked what his usual was. I kind of laughed because the man ordered the same thing at the same time for an entire year. I told him that he always got a large dark roast coffee, and he said he'd like a green tea. I sort of joked with him that he was switching it up a little bit, and he laughed and laughed. His laugh seriously disturbed me. My joke wasn't that funny. And he had tears streaming down his face, and a deep bellowing laughter. He kept laughing harder and harder, and he stared directly into my eyes the whole time. I nervously laughed along, but something wasn't right. This wasn't the Larry that I knew at this point. His laughter and his face had me fearing for my safety. I politely waved him on and closed the window, but he stayed by the window leaning towards me. He was laughing so hard that he was spitting all over the window. His eyes looked different. I couldn't see the white in his eyes at all anymore, and I wondered if he was having a stroke or something. I picked up the phone to call the police when he just sped off. It was seriously disturbing. My co-workers all asked what the hell was wrong with Larry, but when I told them what had happened, they just kind of laughed it off, but I was freaked out. I finished my shift and headed to the grocery store to get something to cook for dinner. When I got out of the store, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a black car. I really didn't want to believe it was Larry's car, so I just got my car and headed home. Sure enough, the black car pulled up right behind me and started following me. I looked in the rearview mirror, and it was Larry with his black eyes and a huge creepy smile. I was seriously freaked out, and I just sort of pretended not to see him, and kept driving down the road. Every turn I took, he closely followed. I eventually started driving randomly and erratically to see if he kept following me. Without hesitation, he closely followed every turn I made. I eventually called the police and told them that a regular customer of mine was now stalking me. He seemed incredibly dangerous. They asked me what my car looked like and told me to drive straight to the police station. I did as they asked and as soon as I pulled into the station, Larry took off down the road. I thanked the officers and they told me I couldn't get a restraining order against him unless I had some undeniable evidence that he was stalking me. I felt helpless but I figured the worst was over and I headed home. Waiting in the parking lot of my apartment building was Larry in his black car with a terrifying smile on his face. His mouth was huge and his eyes were pitch black. I drove by and I went to sleep at my parents' house that night. The next morning at work, I was freaked out that he might be there to get his coffee or green tea, but I didn't see him. I was incredibly relieved and I went on as if nothing had happened. When I got to my apartment, there were hundreds of completely full cups of coffee from the shop that surrounded my bed. It was as if he saved every single cup he had brought from me and not had a single sip from any of them. I had my parents help me move out of there immediately, and I quit my job at the coffee shop. The only thing that I can figure is that Larry is possessed. His facial expression, his behavior, and his eyes all look like that.
I do admit, though, that this is not my area of expertise. Do you have any idea what I'm dealing with here? I haven't had any experiences with him since, but I'm living in constant fear that I might see him again. Hey Donovan, I really like your show and I've been meaning to share this with you for a while, but I used to own a campground near Grand Lake, Colorado. Grand Lake's a glacier lake, so it's cold. You can't really swim in it, even in the summer. But tourists come to go on boat rides around it because it's very scenic. So my campground was just outside of town on a dirt road. We had 30 RV hookups, 10 campsites for tents and 11 cabins. Also showers, laundry room, and an office. I lived in a little apartment above the laundry, and it was great, really. I hired a few people to help out, like townies and a few transient types, who headed down south for the ski resorts for winter to work. But then, one day, this guy comes into the office with a photo on his phone. He was staying at the farthest RV spot from the office. I can't remember, but he had some kind of camper trailer, maybe even a pop-up. He was staying in with his girlfriend. He looked to be in his 60s. I figured he was retired, but I didn't think about it too much. Lots of people come and go and mostly don't stay for more than a week. This guy had been there a couple days, I think. I've been working on payroll for the week, worrying as usual about whether I had too many people on staff and how I was going to make it through the winter. From November to April, I catch a few odd jobs in town, like driving one of the country snow plows, but it's never easy. When this guy walked in, I felt a cold breeze. Maybe not a breeze, more like a little freeze in my gut. It made no sense because when he checked in, the guy was friendly enough, talking about the weather, hiking, and photography. That was his hobby. I figured he just wanted to complain that the washer ate his quarters, something like that. So I smiled and said hi, and he said, I got something to show you. He had a laptop computer under his arm, and he put it on the counter and opened it up, and this photo filled the screen. It was dark. I had no idea what I was looking at. You see those red eyes, he said. I looked closer and maybe saw two red dots off to the side of the blurry trees. I guess they were. Maybe, I said. Wish I could have got a better shot, he said. That there's a mothman. I'm sure of it. So he started to tell this story about how he got up early wanting to walk down to the overlook to get a photo of the sunrise. He heard something like huge wings flapping and turned around. Through the trees, he saw this man-shaped thing. Only, it had huge wings and no face. Like where the face should have been, there was nothing except for these large red eyes. He grabbed the camera from around his neck and got off a shot at it, just before it flew into the sky. He wanted to try for another picture, but the sky was so dark that he knew he wouldn't get anything. Wish I'd thought I'd take a video, he said. The sound of those wings would have picked up on the mic for sure. I didn't really believe him. I never even heard of the Mothman before. I figured he'd just seen a hawk or something. Lots of them out there. The next day, he and his girlfriend took off, and I pretty much forgot about it. A couple weeks later, though, things got weird. People would come and set up and leave the next day. They never said why. They'd just break their reservations and go. We were losing so much money that I was sure I'd never have enough for winter. The employees started quitting. Finally, after a couple weeks of this, I cornered Jimmy, who runs the laundry in the shower rooms. He cleans, collects the quarters, and fills the machines, all that stuff. They're scared of the Mothman, he said. Oh, come on, I said, Larry, that's crazy. He showed me a picture on his phone, but it just looked like grainy blackness. The photo, he said, was from Bob, 
who used to cut the grass at the campground. Bob quit the week before. I wasn't scared of this thing, but I was scared I'd never make any money off the place again. Then one couple came with a small tent, and I gave them the furthest campsite, near the pond. On the day they were supposed to leave, Jimmy found all their things still there, but they were gone. We waited a day, and they still hadn't returned. We called the county sheriff, and he took all their stuff for evidence. No sign of them. Before we let anyone else have that site, I went out and looked at it. The sheriff guys had tromped all over it. But off near the woods, I saw some weird markings in the dirt. They were kind of line-like tracks, but claw-like, sort of. I looked up what moth's feet looked like, and they could have been big moth feet. I don't know. I wasn't really sure. Anyway... I was tired of not knowing what was going on, so one day I got up really early and went to the edge of the campground where it meets the woods and just stood there looking for a while. You know how your eyes take a while to get used to the dark? And when they do, you slowly start to see more. That happened, and then I saw something standing there at the edge of the woods. It was pretty far away, but I saw the red eyes. There was this huge loud flapping sound, and then this thing was gone. That's when I decided to sell the campground and move to Florida. 